Welcome to Reality of Kink, this is Master Hook, and this episode is the second of my new, just going through my archives. What I wanted to do for a while, and that is, I had uh, had six different videos responding to one video by a group that was an anti-BDSM, anti-porn group, and I decided that I wanted to take the audio from all of those six different videos and post them as one long podcast. When I was just sitting here putting all of the audio together for this, there was over an hour on this. So this is a long one. So yeah, <laughs> this is one that, you know, clear schedule because it's going to be an hour plus of me listening to the what they have to say and then me responding. If you watch the videos, it's just, you know, the cameras pointing at me. Their videos are very non-interesting. Non it's very bland. There's no really interesting things about it. Just a lot of nonsense. So I decided that I'm going to put all of those six different videos, audios together and put them here. So like I said, for the next hour or so, sit back, relax, enjoy it and if you have anything hit me up again you know you can always hit me up on FET and we will take it from there that's it for now and catch you on the other side so this is probably going to be a video broken up into multi parts um i'm not going to i'm probably just going to do uh these um do this video like 10 minutes and then break it up into cuz the actual video i'm responding to uh, here um, is uh, 20, um, 20 minutes and five seconds. Um, this is from a group uh, so that's called uh, Say No to Sadomasochism. It's run by an organization called antiporn.org. Okay. They are a, from everything I can gather, a um, Far left anti-sex group. They are anti-porn, anti anti anything that I mean. Yeah, we can talk about the serious issues, but this is a lot of what they're talking about is non-starters. So what this video is, and I'll put a link to it below, is five myths uh, of BDSM, um, and. We'll get through. Uh, we'll get through as much as we can. Uh, I'm going to start and stop it. The, you'll hear the audio. Um, we'll take it from there. So, the graphics aren't even worth showing. Welcome, one and all, to Say No to Sadomasochism, the channel that gives you the truth about sadomasochism. With no, they don't. Out all the spin. Uh, no, they're, they, the thing about it is they are spinning it. They're, they're telling you information without all the proper context. They are just, this is a lot of what I've seen so far off of this channel is just BS. So let's go forward. I'm Republic of Sandals, a volunteer for Say No to Sadomasochism. And today I've lined up the top five myths of BDSM. 
But before we begin, some of you might be wondering, what is BDSM? BDSM is an acronym for Modern Sadomasochism. For more information, Modern Sadomasochism. That's what he said. BDSM is an acronym for Modern Sadomasochism. BDSM, and he actually goes through this later, or in a different video, means a lot more than just sadomasochism. It encompasses a lot of stuff. Not, you know, not, it includes submission, um, it includes uh, bondage, it includes uh, just a whole, rare, I mean, a massive amount of things. And just to, to you know, to dumb it down to, you know, modern sadomasochism is pathetic. On the meaning of BDSM, please consult our description, which can be found below the video. Now we've got that cleared up, let's see what else we can uncover. In fifth place today is one of the most common myths, not just in BDSM, but also sometimes in general. Pain is pleasure. Okay. He's already made a major issue here. It's not a myth. There are a large percentage of people inside the community that find pleasure in pain. It is not a myth. There is a large percentage of people who enjoy pain. Given in the right way, in the right context, you ask somebody who is you know, a pain slide if pain is not pleasurable. Okay, no, they may not enjoy the dentist, but they enjoy when they get flogged. So we're already starting off on a good foot here. By the way, he's showing a picture of, um, of dopamine. So just so you, you know what's happening, in, 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 it says dopamine stops pain. Though the word pleasure can mean different things to each of us, in chemistry it's often related to a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is considered to be a very useful chemical in helping our brains function properly. Yes. It's best known for its effects of reducing how much sensation we perceive, including pain. Dopamine is so effective at treating all forms of physical discomfort, our brains release it as a reward for our achievements, giving dopamine and pleasure an inescapable relationship with success. Okay. He's already disproven his point by his own argument right there. Dopamine is something that if it's done, if you get it, it can be pleasurable. So if you are getting pain and your body is releasing dopamine, you can receive pleasure from that pain via the dopamine and something else massive. Okay. All you got to do is look up runners high. But he doesn't even touch on that. 
to increase our chances of survival and conceiving children. Dopamine is triggered following physical exercise and during sex. Although, like many things, dopamine has exceptions. Like when it's released to alleviate pain, rather than leaving us in agony. However, maybe... He, again, he completely dis destroyed his own argument by just going, yeah, whatever. Chemistry isn't your thing. And instead, you want to understand pleasure and pain spiritually. Don't worry, we've got you. He has a picture, his picture up here, is, it says, The Pleasure Principle, Sigmund Freud. Freud, Sigmund, yeah. Here's the deal. The argument he's about to make is fallacious. Because what I consider pleasurable and what you consider pleasurable are different things. I play with people who enjoy pain. It is pleasurable to them. Therefore, his argument he's about to make totally falls flat on his face. Covered. Dr. Sigmund Freud explained how humans relate to sensation through what he called the pleasure principle, which states, in a world without responsibilities, human beings would dedicate all of their time to finding pleasure and avoiding pain. Doctor. Okay. Besides the fact that Freud has been discredited multiple times on multiple things, what what he's arguing is yes, we we would try to avoid things that are painful. But if pain is pleasurable, then it's not painful. His argument falls flat on its face here. Freud saw this as a healthy and vital part of being human. Which, by the way, psychologists, other modern psychologists who have studied BDSM, have actually come to the conclusion that we on average, are healthier mentally than the majority of society because we're honest with ourselves. We're honest with about who we are and what we are, and that's something that you can't do if you're not be you know if you're if you if you're not being truthful to yourself. If if pain is something that you get pleasure out of, then it is considered pleasure. Under the Freud model, BDSM works perfectly. He's acting as if it's an antithesis to that model. So, I, I think I'm just going to break these up into, into one, because I'm already 10 minutes in. Um, so, I'm going to do these one at a time and just post them. So, th that was argument number five. Next one will be four.
At fourth place is the myth that fantasy can't harm you. Okay. Right off the bat. Fantasy itself can't. It can't. It's fantasy. It is make-believe. It's just things in your head. You can imagine, oh, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that. Here's the thing. When you actually take that from in your head to reality, there is a lot of complexity dealing with that. Taking those ideas and making them reality is complicated. It takes special kinds of people who know how to work with what you want to make them work. The... Let's let this guy keep talking. Fantasy can be expressed in any form, such as paint on canvas, or stray thoughts in your mind. But when someone treats people like dolls to manipulate, as they do in BDSM, Okay. We do not treat people like dolls to manipulate them. We don't. We have consensual agreements based on desires. We talk about it thoroughly and then proceed upon the agreed to ideas and plans with safety precautions built in in case something goes off the rails, including you have an issue with what is happening. Notice he said none of that. At all. They are no longer merely witnessing a fantasy. Now they are living it. Yes. We might say our fantasies don't affect us. But that only makes it all the more surprising, and they sometimes do. Again, totally skipped all of the factors involved in taking from something from a concept to reality. There's all of this in the middle that has to happen. Conversation, negotiation, consent. Didn't bring up any of those. And now he has a picture on his, um, in his screen here for the Stanford Prison Experiment. Seriously, go look at this thing. It is as it is as foreign to BDSM as anything else. Because the reality is, is that what the Stanford Prison Experiment was, there was no conversation, no negotiation, no consent, except for the you're here, you're here, and there was no safety protocols. BDSM is often described as a collection of authority role plays for a fitting... Uh, again, role plays. Authority role plays. I'm a dominant, you're a submissive. Okay? That does not mean that I'm a dominant and you're a submissive and that's it. There are a bunch of gray areas in between. But they, they totally skips all of those. 
comparison, we can look to a psychological experiment. The infamous Stanford Prison Experiment was conducted by Banks, Haney, and Zimbardo in 1971. Participants for the experiment were 22 specifically chosen, well-adjusted young men, and they were each assigned a role to play. Half of the men were assigned to play the role of guards. God, this guy talks incredibly fucking their slow. Pretend prison. And the other half of the men were assigned to play the role of prisoners. The guards had to command the prisoners, and the prisoners had to obey the guards. Lastly, Dr. Zimbardo took on the role of the prison's superintendent. The role play took its toll on the participants. The wardens became increasingly aggressive, both physically and verbally. And the prisoners became increasingly distressed and unresponsive. As and the specific setup of the Stanford prison experiment is something that does not ever happen inside the world of BDSM. It doesn't. It just does not happen. This is a false analogy. The experiment continued. Both groups integrated their roles into their own identities more and more. And the environment became increasingly dehumanizing. Yes. Five prisoners had to be released early after suffering extreme emotional distress until the experiment was terminated after just six days. Again, the experiment what does this have to do with also had lasting effects on Dr. Zimbardo, uh, who would later compare his experiment to the infamous Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq. Again, what does this have to do with BDSM? Nothing. Not a damn thing. This is him simply looking for something to say, this is the way BDSM is. And it's not. Okay? Again, look at the structure of that experiment. Okay? There was no negotiation between the partners about what was going to be happening. It was simply, you are this, you are this. That does not happen in BDSM. There was no safety protocols, such as safe words, to say, you know, stop, you're going too far. It didn't exist. The closest you can compare this to would be, um, would be rack, risk-aware kink. But again, even in that, there are safety protocols predetermined. Okay? There are limits placed upon both participants. In this, there was not really any limit space. It was basically... You're you're in charge. You're you know you're you're in charge. You have to do what you're told. No negotiation between the individuals, at all. It was just you are this. You are this. That's not how BDSM works. And he has a thing on on the screen 
uh, role play with real authority. Real in quotations. Of course, all authority is to some extent role play. And everyday authorities have been given customs that have become internationally famous. For instance, a judge often wears a wig to take on their role as the trier of law. In the, in the UK. And bangs the their gavel to deliver closure. True. Or a soldier puts on a beret to again, show their what allegiance. Does have to do with BDSM? What does have to do with BDSM? Or stripes to indicate their rank. Again, what does it have to do with BDSM? Often authorities have special names such as Your Honor or Lieutenant. And? The origins of authority can be very different. Okay. Inside the community, terms like Dom, Master, Sir, are, are not ranks. They are titles. No one, you know, I don't walk into a BDSM club because I'm a master. All the submissives bow down to me because I have the title master. That's not how this works. But this guy obviously doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Historians tell us of the divine right of kings. And modern people talk about democracy and employment. However... No matter where authority comes from, it can be misused. Yes. Having said that, what separates BDSM roleplay from other forms of authority? Consent! Consent. Fucking consent. How fucking hard is that? Absurdity of roleplay is what he, what he has on screen right now. The answer could be absurdity. Some people say BDSM fantasies are too bizarre for them to take seriously. However, just because something is unusual punishment doesn't mean it isn't cruel. And no matter how much fantasy is involved, the harm is still just as real. No, it's not. Because the thing about it is, is that we don't just beat somebody and then walk away. We do things called aftercare. Where we sit and hold the person and talk to the person. And then we actually talk to them the, later in that evening or later in that afternoon. And then the next day and maybe a week later and check in on them and make sure they are okay. Find out what was good. Find out what was bad. We do a post-mortem on the scene. Doesn't talk about any of that. He just acts as if, you know, you know, you get, you know, you say, I want to be, I want to be beaten. Okay. And I walk out the room. That's not how BDSM works. And he's obviously just making shit up here. Okay. That's leading into number three. BDSM is safe. First off, I'll tell you for give you a little spoiler. It's not. But we'll deal with that in the next one.
people. So we're back with number three, BDSM, and this is the myths of BDSM. BDSM is safe. Okay, before this even starts, look at the wall behind me. It's, it's, here, give me a clear shot. Look at the wall behind me. Those are my toys. I've spent years practicing, educating myself, playing with those toys. Those toys are dangerous. Nobody in their right mind will say BDSM is safe. It comes with a lot of risk, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. But if you actually educate yourself, learn about consent, you can play it safely. So let's get this started. Third place is the myth that BDSM is safe. This simply isn't true. I actually agree with that. The reality is much more unsettling. Physically unsafe practices in BDSM include, but are not limited to, beating, which can include... Okay, he has on his little picture here, picture um, called, I think it says practices, uh, beating, cutting, uh, stra uh, strangulation, branding. And then he's got a picture of a fist, a noose, a knife, and a triple X branding cross, uh, brand, uh, uh, brander. So. Striking across the face or flogging with canes or whip. Okay. Striking across the face can be safe. Quote unquote. If you know what you're doing. Okay. Face slapping is not a standard practice. It is something that is something that you have to educate yourself on how to do. How to slap somebody in a way that isn't going to put what needs to be in place without leaving permanent damage. Because if you do it wrong, on the ear, over the eye, too hard, yes, you can cause damage. But if you know what you're doing, just like, okay, just like anything, it is safe. Quote, unquote. Cutting, strangulation by choking with pans, or hanging by rope or cable. Okay, that's <clears throat> BS. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Okay. Strangulation, okay, breath play, you can look it up, is done with, you think, no one hang is hung by their neck. That is too fucking dangerous. We don't do that. And the people who do do that are people who have a lot of control over the situation. Has there been times where it's gone wrong? Yes. But you know what? How many people die every year from extreme sports? And 
most dehumanizing of all, branding with torched metal. Okay. Branding is something we do inside the BDSM community. But it is not dehumanizing. It's something that is done because people want it done. They choose to have it done. Anybody who is branded non-consensually breaks every code of BDSM. Branding is something that people enjoy. There is a um, body modification style of branding that exists. No one inside the community would, would, would brand somebody without their consent. If they are, they're crossing the line. It's that simple. He's acting as if we just grab people off the street, bring them in, and brand them. It's bullshit. Now he has things dangerous. And he's got a whole bunch of, you know, bunch of things. Um, and you can watch his video to see that. And what is the damage that comes from subjecting a body to all this punishment? Beatings can cause bruising, yes. concussions, and risk internal bleeding. Okay. If you are playing so hard with somebody that you are causing concussions or internal bleeding, you're doing it wrong. Yes, these things are potential, but again, if you get if you do that, you're doing it wrong. We play with the human body in a way that we that the idea is we play with them to a point so that we can then bring them back to reality and then days, weeks, or months later play with them again. The idea is never to leave permanent damage. Cuts obviously cause bleeding and scarring. And sometimes people want to that to happen. Sometimes within certain styles of play, bleeding is the point. Leaving scars is the point. Have I burnt girls? Yes. Have I scarred girls? Yes. Was it intentional? 99% of the time? No. But there are times where, yes, it was intentional. The times that it were unintentional were minor and were stuff that went away in very short periods of time. But he doesn't say any of that. Strangulation causes loss of oxygen to the brain, resulting in brain damage. And Bullshit. 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 There is a way to play with breath play safely, but you have to be educated to know what your limits are and also give the person an option to stop you. No one does breath play without safety protocols. Okay? Seriously, no one plays with... The, with something that high end without some sort of safety protocols, okay? I, I, I was in a class one time where uh, breath play was being taught and they had a, what we called a drop dead signal, which was the person had a ball in their hand or you can even take like 
a scarf or a bandana and hold it. And as the person's being choked, if it get, if they start getting unconscious, they lose the grip, and it's stopped. Okay, or it becomes too much, and they stop. This is called practicing restraint. This is called practicing knowing what you're doing. But yeah, and sometimes death. Okay. Have people died doing BDSM play? Yes. But that's in the high-end extreme. But at the same point, name me another practice that plays on the extreme where people haven't died. How many people die every year from racing cars? How many people die every year from extreme sports? How many people die every year surfing? How many people die every year just climbing mountains? Yeah, two days ago, two days ago, a guy was riding his bike on a trail just down, down the way. He fell off the trail and died. Should we stop, make it that people can't ride bikes on trails because somebody died? Stupid. Every year, there are new stories of people dying from what the BDSM community calls erotic asphyxiation. Okay, first off, erotic asphyxiation is not necessarily something that, is that exclusively is done via this community. Michael Stipes from NXS died from autoerotic asphyxiation. Nothing to do with BDSM. Okay. There are tons of people who die from autoerotic asphyxiation have nothing to do with BDSM community. He's acting as if it's exclusively a BDSM thing. Branding, by definition, causes burns and possibly permanent scarring. And sometimes that's the point. These are major and potentially life-threatening injuries. Okay. Here's the thing. Yes, they can potentially do that, but that's why we educate ourselves. That's why we practice. That's why we take the time to have conversations. We can we negotiate. We put in safety protocols. We get all of these things set up in advance so that when we do these things, we don't permanently damage people. Does it happen? Yes. But again, in any extreme type of activity, people will get hurt. People will die. BDSM is an extreme activity. To say that, that, that this is something that is exclusively to BDSM is completely misleading and it's just it's smacking of somebody who has nothing is, is an agenda and is willing to create straw man and lie to make his point so number two is going to be bdsm is sane this one should be fun
so we're back with the top five myths of BDSM. This number, this is the this is the fourth video. We're down to number two. Uh, I'm probably gonna do six. I'll probably after I do uh, the last, uh, I'll probably um, do a uh, a final video. Just so you know. Uh, but we are only about halfway through, and we're at number two. So the last two are going to be big. So I might have to break those up. So there might actually be six videos, or seven, or eight, or ten. Who knows? The second greatest myth of BDSM is that BDSM is sane. There are rightly very serious concerns about mental illness and its relationship to BDSM. This has no... Okay. Mental illness and BDSM. As I have stated before, and it doesn't take too much of research to look, the people inside the BDSM community are the most, are among the, among the, the most mentally healthy people in the world. This is a straw man that is is ridiculous. It's it's a ball-faced lie right out the box. Thing to do with prejudice. There are very clear and logically sound reasons why practicing BDSM can sometimes be considered symptomatic of mental illness. The phrase mental illness has its roots in the word psychopathology. Psycho is an ancient Greek word for the mind or the spirit. Pathology is made of two separate ancient Greek words, pathos, meaning suffering, I don't know and why he's logos, giving a definition. We all know logic. what psychopathology is. So a psychopathology is a psychological pattern or complex resulting in suffering. Sometimes to ask a larger question, you have to ask a smaller one. So our question today is, are sadism and masochism patterns of behavior that result in suffering? I define sadism as purposefully causing suffering to another person or animal for... Whoa. There's a difference between consensual and non-consensual sadism. What I do is consensual sadism, meaning when I play with somebody that in causes someone pain, they want me to do it. When somebody does it to someone who doesn't want them to do it, that is non-consensual, and therefore is against the law. What I am doing is perfectly legal. What someone who do doesn't get consent is perfectly, is doing something that is illegal. N notice, no splitting of the definition here. For its own sake. I def and, and by the way, um, what I do is not causing suffering. I give somebody what they want. I do things because other people want me to do it. 
suffering is a completely different thing than what we do in BDSM. Find masochism as purposefully pursuing one's own suffering for one's own sake. I can conclude that not only do both sadism and masochism qualify as mental illnesses, no, they don't, but that they are also always exclusively motivated by and resulting in suffering. No. 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 BDSM, being a sadist or a masochist in a consensual relationship, is not a mental illness at all, in any way, shape, or form. Okay? No psychologist who studied the issue, who is, wor who is worth their salt, would say that what we do is a ment is mentally is is anywhere near mentally wrong. This guy is just pulling shit out of his ass. Meaning that they will always be mental illnesses. They're not. However, there is another way someone could find out if they have a mental illness or not. The way many people find out is by going to their local doctor. Doctors often treat people who self-harm. Okay. Self-harm is not BDSM. Self-harm is something that is a mental illness. What we do is not self-harm. Okay? If you look up the definitions of self-harm versus what we do, they are very different things. What we do, again, we are trained, we talk, we negotiate, we get consent, we put in safety protocols. None of that is anything he's brought up here. Non-sexual self-harm is just as personal and consensual as masochism. No, it's not. Both non-sexual self-harm and masochism can be categorized as parasuicidal behavior. Parasu... <sighs> okay. This is frustrating because this guy is talking out of his ass. It, again, any psychologist who has actually studied BDSM will tell you that we are mentally healthier than the general population, both dominants and submissives. Why? It's very simple. We're honest to who we are and what we are. Okay? There's no, I don't know anybody inside my community that is suicidal being what we are. Okay? When you go to a BDSM party or a BDSM event, these are some of the happiest people you will ever meet. He's acting as if we're just these, you know, sad, depressed people who just need to be, beat, to beat someone or need to be beaten. Not true at all. Not true at all. 
suicidal behavior includes actions that endanger oneself without the person having an intention to die. Like extreme sports. When you do extreme sports, you put yourself in mortal danger. When you're riding a motorcycle at 70 miles an hour through the desert, jumping over things, you are putting your life at risk with no potential, you know, without the intent to kill yourself. But yet, he's not against that. Masochism is the equivalent of self-harm in everything but name. Again. Again. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. I want you to, look, to take 10 minutes and look up the movie Secretary. Go watch that movie and then tell me at the end of that movie that self-harm and BDSM are the same thing. They're just not. In BDSM, the term subspace means an experience of psychological distress caused by triggering of the autonomic nervous system. And in clinical psychology, anxiety disorders are very similar. And okay. Uh, subspace, completely different topic. Okay. Um, to get subspace, what in subspace is, and I will do a specific video on what subspace is, is is um, is sim is very simple. It is when your body gets into a um, a um, into a state where endorphins are released, and your mind goes on a trip. Okay, this is also called runner's high. But we'll see. You know, see where this goes. Most experience anxiety in response to danger. But anxiety can be both physically and psychologically harmful. Routine anxiety can reduce a person's ability to concentrate, regulate heart rate, and... Okay. I'm going to stop this right now, and I'm going to do... Yeah, because I already reached my 10-minute mark here. Uh, my phone is having issues, so I'm trying to keep this, like, not too, too long. Um... But panic attacks are not something you see in BDSM a lot. Do they happen? Yes. But that can happen anywhere at any time. And has absolutely nothing to do with BDSM particularly. But this guy's going to go off on this straw man that he's setting up here. So we'll see what happens in the next one. Let's get on to the next part here. As well as function normally. All of these negative side effects contribute to anxiety disorders sometimes being called dysfunctional. I'm aware that there are many reasons why people practice BDSM, such as 
attempts to please an intimate partner, provide a service for money, He's acting as if BDSM is prostitution. The closest to that is pro-doms. And I've expressed my opinion about pro-doms. But, so? Or simply explore and experiment in sexuality. He's actually right there. Because that's what people do. They explore. They see what works for them. What makes them happy. And if being tied up makes you happy, you do it more. If you enjoy having someone do um, pain play with you, you do it more. If you enjoy someone just doing sensation play, you do it more. If you enjoy somebody who gives you a ton of orgasms, you want to play with them more. Guess what? Back to his one of his earlier things. Pleasure. We are searching for things that make us happy, that give us pleasure. Therefore, since we are now in a, in a time and space where we have excess time, we have the ability to explore things that make us happy. Like BDSM. However, there are people who practice BDSM because of, or as, an underlying mental illness, which it... Case studies. Show me case studies. Show me, seriously, show me a case study where there are people that practice BDSM, consensual BDSM, as a mental illness. You can't. You're pulling shit out of your ass. Is a genuine problem that should not be framed as a joke or an insult. No one should feel ashamed for seeking suitable help to overcome mental illness. I don't think he understands that there's a lot of people who use this lifestyle as a way to deal with some, there are people, not a lot, but there are people in this lifestyle who use it as a way to deal with their mental illness. Okay? There are people who have, have things in their lives and the only place they feel comfortable is within a BDSM setting. But he dismisses that. There are psychologists who meet people who are in the BDSM lifestyle we, what are called kink-friendly psychologists who help people deal with issues. I personally have helped people through cathartic scenes and, th and stuff like that and just through what, you know, what I do deal with mental issues that are going on in their lives, depression and other things, using the methods of BDSM. But he's acting as if that, that what I do is the antithesis of what you know, I am the cause of the problem, not a solution to the problem. What I do is not good for everybody, but for certain people, it works. And that's all that matters. And thanks to modern research, there are many effective ways to treat mental illnesses and symptoms, such as anxiety disorders 
and parasuicidal behavior. It is important to note that not all misguided perceptions and behaviors are detrimental enough to require treatment. Having said that, I must protest that reenactment of traumatic events is a symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder and that BDSM abuse role plays are by no means a substitute for professional psychotherapy. Okay. There are people who use BDSM as a way to deal with things in their lives that have happened to them. Okay. I have talked about this in, say, in things like rape play. Okay. Not and, um, and other styles of play. Where going through the trauma again helps them deal with it. Dealing with, you know, how, going through the trauma again helps them cope with it because this time they can control it. They are involved in it. They have something, they are involved in the issue that caused the trauma. Okay, I have personally seen this. Okay, this person knows nothing of what he's talking about. Number one. <sighs> okay. <sighs> Before he gets on to number one. And he's still got uh, 14 minutes left, so this is going to break up into several more videos. Um, so far, he, he has been wrong everywhere he's gone. He has contradicted himself multiple times. He has laid out straw men that he easily knocks down. This is the, the just the, the core of what these people do. They they just assume that we're all bad people. That we all are need mental help. Okay? As I have stated and I have been involved in these studies. We are among the health, most healthy, mentally healthy people on the planet because we are honest with ourselves. We find the things that we enjoy and we do them. And we don't lie to ourselves. We are very clear. Every person I am with I am very clear about who I am and what I am. And they have to be clear about who they are and what they are to me. And if there are things that mesh with what I am and what they are, then we do it. Sometimes it is non-harming at all. Okay, my main girl, I have my main girl um, pet, she is not a pain player. She's a sensation player. That he had under his definitions, she's not BDSM. She is. I, I just I'm frustrated how lack of how little this person actually knows about the community. He's making shit up as he goes along. 
and it's frustrating. But, like I said, we got 14 more minutes of this. So, let's see what happens. I'm going to end this one right now and then move on to number one. at this again. We're at number one. Uh -huh. So, here we go. And the most harmful myth about BDSM is that BDSM with consent can't be abusive. This is not a myth. This is a lie that he came up with. No one inside the community will ever say that. People can you can use can people who are doing it wrong will do things that can cause abuse even if they have consent. The community community works very hard to weed these people out and get rid of them from the community. But yet, he's not going to say that here. Anyone who has ever discussed BDSM is familiar with this myth. And now we are going to deconstruct and discuss it. Please do. You don't need to do any special kind of research to find out what abuse is. Right. Unfortunately, abuse is a widespread danger that comes in many forms. But to settle this issue, I decided to investigate the word abuse to find out whether BDSM really is abusive or if something has been lost in translation. Okay. Again, he's setting up a straw man. Very clearly. He's going to say, this is what abuse is, and then link shit to be that BDSM does to it. This is a straw man. Can, can people be abused with inside BDSM? Yes. No one is denying that. But the vast majority of people who practice BDSM are not abusive. What I found speaks for itself. The English noun abuse oh, comes shit. from the Latin noun abusus, which means misuse. But misuse is not limited to things that happen without consent. Okay, that is a ton of fucking research right there. He looked up the word abuse, then looked up the Latin word, Latin, the Latin word for abuse, and then found out that the word abuse equals misuse. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Ugh. A fucking sixth grader could have found that shit out. Okay? Guess what? What we do is not abuse. For instance, a person could misuse crack cocaine to treat depression. True. 
yet this would still be harmful, even though it would be fully consensual. True. However, Latin is a dead language, and perhaps the modern English word abuse has a more specialised meaning. To check this, I consulted the Oxford, Merriam-Webster and Collins dictionaries for their definitions of abuse. Read a book. <laughs> Just because you, you can find out what a word means does not mean that it applies to something else. That's ridiculous. These are three of the most commonly cited dictionaries in North America and the British Isles. And... As it turns out, none of these definitions at any point mention consent. And all of them mention physical or psychological mistreatment as abuse. All of this leads us to an obvious conclusion. No, it doesn't. BDSM can be abusive, even if full consent is given. He actually made a point that I've acknowledged. And 90% of the people who, 90, I'll go with you more than 99% of the people who are in the community can acknowledge. He's acting as if we just deny this as a reality. You can use BDSM as a, as a road to abuse. Very true. And again, we try to weed those people out. But he doesn't give any credit to what we do. He just makes the assumption that everything we do on its face is abusive. Therefore, even if it's consensual, it is abusive. Of course, we can't make up your mind for you. And we don't want to. You're your own? No, no, you do. No, you fucking do. You're a fucking liar. Yes, you were. All of that. This entire fucking 16 minutes prior to this has been trying to make people's minds up that BDSM is abusive and should be should not be done and somehow outlawed and somehow made not so people don't do it. You're a fucking liar. You're, you've been misguiding and misleading people and not telling them the whole truth the entire time. But let's let you finish. Person. And you should make your own choices. We made this video to share with you the things about this issue we feel are important. Namely, safety and equality in sexual and intimate relationships. This is about your life and your dignity. Okay. If it is about my life and my dignity, then what I do with my life and my dignity is my choice. That's what it comes down to. Choice. People choose to do BDSM. And they try to do it in the most healthy, healthy way possible. But yet, you act as if we are all just monsters.
so please don't throw them away. Hmm. Say no to sadomasochism is just one of antipornography.org's many channels here on YouTube. Yeah, and they've got about 200 subscribers, and they got about six videos, which I'll probably be deconstructing all of them. The rest of this is probably just him blathering on about stuff, so if you want to watch the rest of it, I'm done with him. Here's the thing. I'm not going to sit and let somebody lie about my community. And let's make it very clear. It's a community. We have groups that meet all the time. I guarantee right now, on a Friday night, which it is as I'm recording this, there are play parties happening all over this country and all over this world where people are gathering and smiling and laughing and having a good time and are doing things that they enjoy, that are not harming them, that are fulfilling needs within them, that psychologists have found are actually healthy. So I don't think I'm going to do a wrap-up video. I think that this is going to be it. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing that these people think this way. They think that pornography is damaging. It's not. Again, psychological studies have shown it's not. It's not harmful to women. It's not harmful to men. There are parts of the extreme left and the extreme right that are so, you know, so concerned about you and you, what you do in your bedroom and you and do in your private time. That they might as well just you know, join up together. Because all they're going to do is eventually fizzle out. BDSM is not going away. You can outlaw it, it'll still be around. There are countries in the world where BDSM is outlawed. And guess what? People still do it. There are countries in the world that outlaw porn, but they still make it. And they still watch it. There are countries in the world where being gay is outlawed. But people are still gay. People will do what makes them happy. This is pathetic. The lies that they have to tell to try to make a point. They did not make any argument that actually worked. No argument there worked. He had a sprinkling of truth with a lot of bullshit. So... Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when I post all these videos. But that's it for now. Be well and safe. Welcome back. Before I get into too much more, I need to thank you for getting to this part of the podcast. I know what you listened to was kind of rough and was an hour plus of your time, but as a reward for that, I'm going to give you the backstory of how I came to watch this video. So, there's a completely different video on my channel where I responded to a person who decided to leave a really long, rambling, stupid comment on a video where it didn't belong. <laughs> 
it was not the video to put that response to. I did a video regarding survivors of uh, domestic violence, rape, um, you know, molestation, all of that, uh, being, being into BDSM. Somewhere in that video, I did bring up rape play. Um, I have done several videos on this topic just simply because of questions and things that people ask me. And she left this really, and I know it's a she just because of the way, not only the way she wrote it, but then I went to her profile, um, her to her channel, uh, which she had basically nothing. And I went through and was looking, and this is a person who decided to make a con make this comment out of the blue for no good reason, calling me a male supremacist and you know saying that women who are into it were you know are either have a version of Stockholm syndrome or have been lucky enough not to have experienced male violence. The privilege that this person has is astounding, is absolutely astounding. So I decided, you know, let me go through and, you know, I started looking around and she actually had favored a couple of videos from the channel where this video that I responded to was from. So I went to that channel and I looked and saw this video and I just went, yeah, I got to do a response to this video. So it, you know, this was something that I sat on for days. It took me a long time to do the response to her comment or her original comment, uh, simply because I needed to have the right things in my mind to make it work. But overall, this was something that I really just got angry about. The stupidity and the lies that these people are willing to put out there to 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 damage what we do for absolutely no good reason other than their own self-righteousness is amazing to me so with all that said i decided i'm going to do the video and right now my equipment to record uh videos is not the greatest um, unfortunately, the phone that I have that I'm recording my videos off of is only allowing me to maybe do, uh, if I'm lucky, 10 minutes at a shot. Uh, I've started several videos where I got about you know 10 plus minutes in, and it just shuts off on me. And it's like, shit. So I really hate it, and I'm going to be buying a new camera here shortly. But... Uh, that's the reason why these were, were chopped up like they were. But the thing about it is, when I see somebody saying something so ignorant, so blatantly false about what we are and what we do, I, I feel like I need to respond. And you, there's several videos like that I've done, and there probably is going to be several more of them. Uh, in fact, there is a there was a... Uh, BBC documentary on uh, puppy play that is coming out, and the Young Turks decided to do a video about the trailer 
and they just said some stuff that was just beyond stupid. I haven't responded to it as as of the point where I'm recording this, but probably in the next you know next couple of days, um, I will be. So you might be listening to this, and that video might already be up. So uh, I just think that you know if you're going to say something about the community, it's cool that you have a you know a bad impression of the community but be honest about it don't lie about who we are and what we are be truthful if you have an issue with what we do give me a solid reason i would love to hear a solid reason why it's such an issue but most people can't do that instead they just make up shit and think that people are just going to buy it but then there's people like me who will sit there and just deal with it. Tell you the truth. That's what I do here. I do this on the podcast. I do this on my videos. I do this in person. I am going to be as honest with you as I possibly can. Sometimes to a fault. And if that offends you, I don't care. What I do is I'm telling people the reality of what this is. Hence the name of this podcast reality of kink with that being said i think this is going to be about because i'm looking at my timeline here as i'm recording this and i'm more it's almost an hour and 15 minutes in so <laughs> yeah first off thank you if you're still listening um but yeah um if you have any questions you can always find me um you can hit me up on um you know hit me up on twitter i'm you can find me there you can find me uh, on you know, of course under Master Hook and Master Hook YT at on FetLife, um, and then of course you can also send me a, a message on uh, my uh, my YouTube from YouTube. Um, so that's kind of be it for now. So anything like I said, hit me up. That's it. Be well and safe.